In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a Super Bowl special, and I'm here with Ian Wright. Ian, is this the biggest world sport anywhere? It's tough. It's tough. I will say, just uh, I don't want to let this get passed and lost, but hearing your intro versus Jack's intro and my intro is just, it just puts me right. You know, here it is a Friday going into Super Bowl weekend, hearing your intro just kind of puts me in the right mindset in the right place. But yeah, the Super Bowl is an event. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, when we're talking about internationally, you know, we're talking about like the World Cup final, we're talking about some of these other global things. Uh, Olympics. It's the biggest of the U.S. sports, so it's bigger than the NBA Finals or the World Series, anything like that, without a doubt. But I would have to do the TV numbers because I have a funny feeling more people probably watched, you know, the Argentina France final versus the Super Bowl, but just because of the global yeah. impact. Yeah, and because, like here in England. Everyone always thinks World Cup, you know, no one really hears about Super Bowl. But I always want to know for the Americans, it's like, um, do you think it's like, wow, wow, basically? For the Americans, I mean, it's really kind of a party, you know, unless your team's playing. You know, I've always said that it would be great, you know, that one day that our Browns go to the Super Bowl to kind of go and be there in person. But I have spoke with many people who have been to Super Bowls. And the issue with it is it's so commercialized now with the big business, right? The FanDuel party, the DraftKings party, the Yahoo party, like you don't get everybody in one place. All the big sponsors take their money, silo it into their own parties. So what happened was, is it comes came time and it's like, you're just so exhausted because it's like one of those, t- you know, like when you go to CES or you go to these conferences and you're there for three days, by that third day, you're just like, all right, I am just, I just want to go home and go to bed and like, eat some lettuce like that. That's where you get to the kind of point. So when you get to the actual Super Bowl game, now this is not for the players. They're isolated and they're really not involved much in this, but for the players, it's one thing, but for everybody else, it's just kind of the culmination of an end of a very commercialized week. So I, I think a lot of people are disappointed when they go to the Super Bowl because it's not just a game. It's just a product. So it's a lot different watching it at TV than it is actually being there in the city that's hosting it. All right. Here's a question for you, Ian. And this is a 15 minute podcast. So just for everyone listening, it's not going to be a long one. What is the price without looking your computer now of a Super Bowl ticket right now? Just to get in the door. I would say, I would say the lowest you're going to find right now is probably 2,500 bucks. Uh, We say 3,400. So 3,400. 3,400 pounds, 3,400 pounds, dollars, $3,400 is the low to get in. So yeah, at the start of last week, it was six. Now it's three, four before the Bengals game last year. It was, it was 3,000 as well. So I always watch this as if I was a Browns fan thinking, 
this will happen to me one day. When do I pull the trigger to buy the ticket? All right. I'm just going to tell you the way to do it. I did this at most of the Ohio State National Championship games. You go and you scalp because there are so many brokers and ticket sponsors and all this other stuff. I would almost guarantee that if you're an Eagles or a Chiefs fan and you showed up on game day and you started looking, you'd be able to get into the stadium for probably a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks. Now you might not if you want four tickets to sit together with a group of people, that might be a little bit harder to do. But if you're just like Paul Brown or me and we go and try to find one, two tickets just to get in the stadium, we could probably get in for about a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks. I got into I got into the Ohio State. So I paid when I was a student at Ohio State. I went to the Miami national championship game. My ticket for the student was $135. And then I got tickets to the Florida game and that was $180, but they were scalping the time of the the game for 200 bucks. And that was obviously 15 years ago, but relative, it wasn't anything crazy because you have all these brokers out there that have a lot of money sunken into these things. And they at one point need to get rid of them. So even if you're willing to miss the beginning, the coin flip and the national anthem and walk in in the middle of the first quarter, you might even be able to get in for under a thousand bucks. So Um, it's a risk though, because if all of a sudden, you know, for example, this, this one, we got a big matchup Eagles and the chiefs Eagles is a big market. Those people are nuts and it's in Arizona. So it's a very destination driven city. So if you don't want to risk it, you're going to spend a little bit more. Thing about Phoenix is though, or Arizona is, as always, you've got to be there. But there is the uh, waste management on the Saturday. So there could be a lot of golf fans that go, if the price is right on Sunday, I'll just buy a ticket last minute. Well, the waste management's going on, yeah, now. So it'll be the final round on Sunday. That's, again, another party. I mean, don't get me wrong, the 16th hole at the waste management, that's that's one heck of a celebration. So, yeah, that's not a bad weekend. Now, the one thing about it is, the game, the Super Bowl is in Glendale. Glendale is not really, it's about 40 minutes from Phoenix. It's a little bit of a hike. Like when we used to go out there for the Fiesta Bowl, that was in Tempe, which was about 25 minutes away. So Glendale's even further out. Now, I remember when we went out there in 07, there was nothing around that stadium. Now they've developed it into a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, it's a good hike away from downtown Phoenix from the Phoenix airport. So it's a little bit of a destination trip out there. Yeah, I went to the, um, if I'm correct, I went to the Cardinals-Browns yep. three, four years ago. So that's the right stadium, yeah? Yep, that's the one. So, yeah. But in terms of the game, Paul, we basically have kind of what everybody thought would be the two favorites. I mean, obviously the Bills had a shot. The Niners had a shot until Purdy tore his UCL in his arm and played an entire. How lucky are you as the Eagles where you got to play the Niners without a quarterback who could throw? Where's that luck coming for the Browns? where we get maybe the Chiefs playoff game and Chad Henney doesn't get his first down. He can't throw the ball. Ah, but anyways, here we are. I digress. Chiefs, Eagles. Are you, uh, what, what's your plans for the Super Bowl? So let's set the stage for what Paul Brown will be doing during the Super Bowl as we transition into our breakdown of the actual game. It's a very good, it's a very good question. I've got 20 to 30 people come around to my house. I have got the official best pizza maker in London, according to Barstools, come into my house to make pizzas. I'll be making wings. There's going to be beer pong going on. And I may do something very controversial. The British 
no, the London Philly steak, where Ooh. I use London, uh, I use British steak, cheddar cheese, and do it in a in a Philly cheesesteak style and see how it goes down. I'm sure the chef, a few chefs from Cleveland will be upset with me. Well, I mean, you have to, much like Gordon Ramsay, you kind of have to, you know, make do with what you have. And it's not like you're going to get some special cheese from Philly or meat from Philly. You, you got to do with what you got. So the one thing you've always told me is Gordon Ramsay and these top chefs, they take what's given to them and they make it elite. So as long as you make those the tastiest cheesesteaks London's ever seen, Paul, I don't think anybody's going to give you shit. What's your view on Wiz? Do you know what Wiz is? Yes, I know what Wiz is, and I am a hard pass on the cheese Wiz. Not not, yeah. not for me. I mean, listen, if you put on a cheesesteak, fine, but I would prefer a real cheese. Just, just me. It's like people in the Skyline Chili. Some people love it. Some people don't like it. Mm. But, it's like a cheap American yeah, cheesy it's, taste. Is that it's it, it's a liquid whipped cheese. Is really what it is in a in a can that is you know comes out like ready whip. It's really all it is. It's it's more of like what you have with your nachos, like the cheese dip is kind of what that cheese is like. Yeah, like but, it's so not cheese, you can't call it cheese. Exactly. Exactly. I don't like to disrespect, you know, later in the show, we're going to talk about the Wisconsin legend himself, you know, Wisconsin, obviously known for cheese curds and their legendary cheeses. So I think the now hall of famer would agree with us that that is an insult to real cheese, hmm. but yeah, Paul, you're going to have 20, 30 people over here. The food's going to be popping. Kickoff's going to be right around what about 11 o'clock your time. No, I think one thirty a.m. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, because I wasn't sure if it's six. Oh, that's true, because the name you carry the nine, four time zone. Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Super Bowl's always the same time in America, yeah? Yeah, generally the kickoff. Eastern time sometimes is like 6.07 or whatever it is, but hold with me for a second. I will pull up the exact. Now, it doesn't actually kick off at that time. We all know that. Uh, I have it listed here at 5.30 Central, so 11.30 London time. So it'll probably be London, that's earlier. Yeah, it'll probably kick off at my guess would be somewhere around midnight, somewhere between 1130 and midnight, because that's generally when they do all the ceremonies. So your first kick's probably going to be somewhere closer to midnight. OK, cool. I've told everyone to come to my house for midnight. Last time I've come a little bit earlier. Well, if you're cooking all that stuff, I'd be there an hour early. But yeah, all right, point. Paul, let's let's break down this game a little bit. Um, obviously, disappointed the Browns aren't in this game. I still think we got a lot of pieces to go. I think when you look at these rosters, you're talking about it's pretty stacked. I mean, you got good rosters on both sides, so it's not really a shock that either of these teams made it. But we it starts at the tip of the sword, right? The Browns went out and gave up a lot of assets and a lot of money to get Deshaun Watson because they want Deshaun Watson to be able to do what Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are doing, and that's leading their teams to the Super Bowl. So just from what you've seen, how would you evaluate the Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes debate? I think it's it's a it's a totally worlds apart. I think Mahomes is different league. Doesn't mean that they're going to win the game, but I think Patrick Mahomes is in a different league. I think most would agree. Now they're obviously a different style of quarterback. Hurts gives you the mobile element, which I think is really going to is as much as we want to say, if this game comes down to Mahomes in the pocket, throwing the ball versus hurts in the pocket, throwing the ball, 
I think that the Chiefs have the advantage in that case because if we saw, you know, in the NFC title game, aside from a pen or a, a catch that wasn't a catch, and like, listen, it was a great effort by Devonta Smith, but at the end of the day, that wasn't a catch. And if San Francisco had challenged it, it would have been overturned and ruled incomplete. Philly doesn't score in the first half against San Francisco. And then we obviously go into a second half where Josh Johnson is there and we don't have a quarterback and the game gets a little bit ugly. But if Philly becomes one-dimensional in terms of the Chiefs being able to stop the run, the read option run, Hertz is going to have to throw the ball. And that's, I think, where Mahomes kind of takes the edge. But we haven't heard much, but I would assume at this point that Mahomes' ankle is as close as it's going to be for him to kind of regain the old form. It's been you know, two weeks. Yeah, it's Fine. two weeks since I last played, but it's been three weeks in the injury. But generally, high ankle sprains are four to six. So he's going to be on the tight side a little bit, and I'm sure that they're working. I'm I, I, Paul, I'm not even kidding you. I bet you he is in rehab eight to 10 hours a day. They're doing different types of treatments and workings and trying to loosen that up and get those tendons stronger. So I, I don't. I don't think it will be, but all of a sudden he goes down one time, he plants wrong, steps wrong, and tweaks that thing. We got a whole different ball game. Uh, what do you think the score is going to be? You know, the over-under on this one, I think last I checked was 51. So it is still at 51. I think a lot of people are going to be leaning to the over on this one. I just do. I think that, that the perception is these guys are going to go. However, I'm going to take the under. I think it is going to be a decently scoring game, but I think we're going to be somewhere in that 28-24 range. Which, hold on, 28-24, that's 32, carry the 9, that's 52. So I think that we're probably talking somewhere in the... I'm going to go Chiefs 28, Eagles 21. I don't think it's going to be a busy day for the kickers. But one of the reasons is, is you're talking about two, you know, the Eagles obviously have the offensive line. The Chiefs obviously have Chris Jones that wrecks the crew. But at this point, I'm giving the edge of the Chiefs in the quarterback room. And that's even if I'm just equating them as say an 80% Patrick Mahomes. I just think overall, Hertz is a very good game manager. He can throw the ball. He's got dynamic receivers. He can use his feet with the option to run the ball. Chiefs, we obviously know Mahomes has some mobility how much of that will be flexed. The thing with Mahomes is his wide receiver crew is the part that like, if we're looking at their team, that's the group that's probably the lowest in terms of quality that they have. Now in saying that they have Travis Kelsey, right? Cleveland's own Travis Kelsey, yeah. but without Tyreek Hill, we've seen that they've had to kind of devolve into a different style of offense. And the Eagles do have a solid set of quarterbacks. I mean, Bradbury has been reincarnated from the dead from his days with the giants and Darius big play slay, but they're going to be going up against what Mark has Valdez Scantling and Juju Smith Schuster, you know, and Justin Watson. I mean, these aren't guys that like we all buy jerseys of. There's no doubt about it. So in that sense, the question is going to be how well does Kansas city's defense match up against Philly's offense because Philly on the flip side has AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Quez Watkins, Dallas Gaddard, uh, Miles Sanders. You know, they've got a stacked group of offensive weapons. And with their offensive line, the question is going to be, can the chiefs get enough pressure on Hertz to maybe turn him into 
a little bit of a wild card, throw an interception. You know, that's that's going to be the key to the game is how well do the Chiefs defense do against the Eagles offense? And that's why I think it's going to be a low scoring game in terms of the under 51, just because I think that both teams are going to come out, play it close to the vest. And if you're telling me that I get Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes on a plus money line, I just, I, I, too many signs are pointing to the Eagles and I'm just thinking it's going to go to the chiefs. It just, to me, I'm feeling the chiefs win. If evaluating Andy Reid versus Nick Sirianni, I got to go Andy Reid. So I get the better coach and I got the better quarterback. This is where games are made. Yeah, I'm going to go with Chiefs 28 also. Eagles 27. Oh, so you're taking the over. But that would be a cover for the Chiefs as well. So even if it flipped and went 28-27 Philly, you'd still cover on the Chiefs with the point and a half. It's it's going to be an entertaining game. So even if it's low scoring, it's going to be entertaining. Even if it's high scoring, it'll be entertaining, right? I think we're all kind of picturing this shootout in the desert. I just think that it's going to be, you know, that first half under is going to be somewhere around like the 27 point range, 26, 25, somewhere there. I would take the under there. I think both teams are going to come out with very scripted defenses. I think the Eagles offense has been slightly figured out a little bit. Um they're they're trying to utilize a little less Jalen Hurts, a little bit more of the quick passing game. You know, that's why, if you remember right against the Giants, A.J. Brown was a little bit upset because Devonta Smith got all the targets. Well, then they flipped script in the Niners game and went to A.J. Brown, but there was really not a lot of big plays. You know, so I think teams are starting to understand the Philly offense, which could lead to just the Chiefs knocking a ball up. I mean, Chris Jones has been an absolute beast in the middle so there's going to be a lot going on i think it's going to be a great team game you know the team that actually completes the three facets does everybody who's attempting field goals make them how are the punters are they pinning them back what do the special teams coverage units look like so this is one of those complete games where all nine facets of the game and i guess i mean nine three on each side need to need to happen. You need to have pressure from both sides. You need to cover well in the back end. You can't have botched secondary things like we've seen too commonly in the Browns secondary. This is why great teams play for the Super Bowl. And that's really, I think, where we're going to go. Uh, here's a, here's a uh, question for you or breaking news at the moment. Will you be going to Joe Thomas's Hall of Fame thing in Canton? Obviously... We've only, I believe, had one now Hall of Famer on the podcast, if, I, if memory serves me correct. Um, so given the proximity to Eric my home. Metcalf is not a Hall of Fame. He's a Hall of Famer in our hearts, but I do not believe Eric Metcalf is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, just given his ability to score punt return touchdowns against the Steelers should put him in, but it doesn't. So given Cam's proximity, we'll see if the Browns play in the Hall of Fame game. Um, you know, legend does have it that there's festivities that happen around the honorees. So, you know, there may be a little bit of a celebration of Joe Thomas in the Cleveland area, say the night or so before. So Joe, if you're listening, Paul and I will gladly show up. We challenge you to the Guinness challenge. Uh, we will start our training now, but at the end of the day, you tried to bully Paul into a Guinness challenge on his turf. Well, now we're going to bully you into Guinness challenge on your turf. He's going to be on a Jager bomb. 
I don't, I don't know if he'll, he'll probably be doing a lot of uh, those type of drinks that night. So I think we got it. We got to stick with the Guinness challenge and then maybe we'll shoot a, maybe we'll bring a nice bottle of whiskey or something like that for him. We know he is a uh, fan of the Irish whiskey. So, but no, I would like to maybe possibly attend. We'll see. Uh, we got to check to make sure that there's some events and stuff like that, but it would be pretty cool to see really the, the most dominant Brown of the last 20 odd years. You know, I mean, obviously since the team come back, he's, I believe the only hall of famer. So I'm, I'm trying to think even guys that play that came in as free agent deals. So yeah. My biggest question is if I have a Guinness, a Jaeger bomb or a Krosh 30, no 73 to celebrate. I mean, personally, if it's me and I'm Paul Brown and I'm doing a celebration, what I would do is I would do the Jaeger bomb first. Then after that, I would do the Guinness challenge finished it off by the Cole 73. I think he deserves the best of all three worlds. So I think you start with the Jaeger bomb, you hit the Guinness challenge, and then you polish off the Cole 73 all the way down. Like in succession. Boom. Well, I've got a, I've got a Crow 73. I was going to ask, do you have uh, one? Cause I don't even have a Cole. I've never had one. I've got, I've got one. I've got one, but the problem is it's out of date. Um, so it's Has like it been, five years out of date or three years out of date. So uh, Has it ever been refrigerated? No, it's in the fridge, but it's just out of date for three or four years. So uh, let's see how it tastes. Well, you got to drink it now at any point. You can't let it get any worse. But no, honestly, we're, of, uh, we're talking about. Bucket of, Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I've got to, um, I've got to uh, crack on. I've got some work to get on with. Ian, tell us, how are you going to be celebrating the Super Bowl? Oh, I will absolutely be at home, the comfort of my house, couch, probably order a pizza of some sort. But obviously, we want to send our congratulations to Joe. Last night was officially inducted into the 2023 Pro Football Hall of Fame class. And he is going in with some legendary players, Darrell Rivas, Demarcus Ware, Zach Thomas, one of my favorite players growing up, just the way he played the game, Rondi Barber. I mean, it is an absolute who's who of players that are going in with Joe. It it could not literally happen. And I say that adverb loosely to a better human being mixed with a better football player. Cause the crazy part is, is, and you know, this Paul being around Joe, not only was he probably the best left tackle to play in the NFL in say the last 20 odd years. And I mean, he's competing with Trent Williams and Jonathan Ogden, you know, I get it. But he's an even better person. I mean, for those that don't know, like he he gives his time to so many different people, organizations. I mean, just being one of the people. I mean, when we did our podcast, he's chatting with my wife and he's asking personal questions about Duffin. He's just a genuinely really, really nice guy. And you could not see an award or an honor be bestowed on somebody more deserving than Joe Thomas because through all those years, all the fans that want to rag on him about his winning percentage and his playoffs and all this other stuff, or lack thereof for that matter, he's just been able to hold his head high. He's conducted himself with nothing but class. Uh, I mean, he is the absolute perfect representation of what it is to be a Cleveland Brown. We cannot congratulate Joe enough. You know, thank you for your time. We'll have to get him on the show here again soon, just so we can talk to him and just congratulate him in person. You know, and hopefully we do see him in Canton. You know, it'd be nice. I'm sure if the Browns play in that game, you'd fly over, 
you know, we'd hit up the festivities and then hit up the, uh, the game itself, but, you know, shout out to Joe, great person, great honor. Uh, Paul, anything you need to add for Joe? No, look, I've met Joe probably five to 10 times over the last uh, six years. And he's a top guy. We kind of message once a week, even when he's not so uh, busy, we just catch up about food. You know, I was talking to him this week about his knife skills. You know, we're always talking about food, Guinness. He's married, so I can't say girls. But yeah, you know, we talk about the usual stuff, you know. So there we go. No, like I said, he's just, he's a man of the people. You know, he, when he got back from, from Alex Mack's wedding in Dublin, you know, he sent me a note and he goes, hey, thanks for the recommendation. He picked up, you know, an exquisite bottle of Irish whiskey over there. You know, for those that don't know, my family's all from Ireland and Scotland. So I have a taste and a palate for that type of stuff. Now he drinks top, his top shelf is a lot higher top shelf than mine, obviously. But just like Paul said, tip top guy, just overall one of the best. Can't wait to, you know, to see him go in, wear that gold jacket proudly because he's one of those guys where you just don't worry that he'll ever do anything to besmirch the honor of the jacket. But it's Super Bowl weekend. You know, great vibes all around. Uh, free agency has basically put Jack into cloud nine. You know, he's writing articles left and right for the OBR. So, you know, while we're not directly affiliated with the OBR, we obviously have Jack in common. So if you haven't, go over, check out Jack's stuff. A lot of it's free, just so you can get a little taste and a preview of what he has going on. But other than that, a little longer than we wanted, but well-deserved for Mr. Joe Thomas. So on that note, go Browns, go Joe Thomas. Go Browns, it's Super Bowl weekend.